my identity was so tied up with being a long distance dog musher that I thought if I didn't sign up for that race and, you know, do <laughs> the thing that I had carved out for myself and that I had become known for, that I was just going to disappear. This is the Adventure Sports Podcast, where we hear stories of adventure from every corner of the planet. We interview all sorts of folks who are using their sport to explore the world around them and give you the inspiration you need to get out there and have some fun. You probably remember Krista Knight Pace from episode 505 on this show that came out almost a year ago now, actually just over a year ago, and she was talking about her life in Alaska, racing the Iditarod, doing literally dog sledding while pregnant and while breastfeeding, pretty crazy stuff. Uh, you know, her and her husband, Andy, lived up in the mountains of Alaska, really remote lifestyle. And I interviewed her for just recently for my other show called Without Compromise, because I figured, you know, what better example of a life to live without compromise than rural Alaska with kids. Now she has two kids. And when I reached out, realized that her life was changing a totally different direction. So I decided to release that episode on this show, too, instead of a revisited episode on Thursday um, to kind of tell what she's up to now, the direction her life is headed with her and her family. They're actually, you know, spoiler alert, moving to Texas to start a farm. And we reflect on the whole quarantine thing. But she's just a totally incredible person, park ranger, everything, just really awesome, has the incredible incredible book out that made it became her her book this much country was on New York Times summer reading list which is pretty incredible and uh yeah so we're going to reflect on that listen to her story what they're doing now and I think it's just a great story for folks going through change right now a lot of us have been forced into change through layoffs or job cutting back or you know kids are at home with us but also a lot of us are going to be choosing to change after this um, and in the midst of this so you know hopefully for the better as well so we're talking to someone who is taking this opportunity to make the changes they know they need to make in their life and I think it's something we can all learn and grow from. I've gotten a couple really nice emails this week from folks listening. I want to, you know, just thank y'all so much. Allie, uh, you emailed me, just said the kindest things. And also Barbara, thank you so much for your emails, for your letters. That has just been so helpful during this time. And also Aaron, thank you all so much for listening, for sharing. And uh, if you'd like to reach out and share some kind words, info at adventuresportspodcast.com or just my name. My name's Mason, by the way, Mason Gravely. And that's just Mason at adventuresportspodcast.com. All right, stay in there and have some fun. You know, I kind of wanted to hear, you know, with this whole change, you know, you mentioned some of those early flickerings were like, you know, the the most recent race that Andy did. And that was like, you both were kind of just over it at that point. Um, What what was, I don't know, what is the process of you kind of reevaluating your identity of going from this Alaskan park ranger that dog sleds to... I don't know what yet. Like, like, how has that been for you? What has that experience been like? Because I will say, I just think people are going through change right now 
or they're at least contemplating it um, with this whole yeah. quarantine thing? Oh, man, that is such a good question. Um, I, at first, it was really, really hard. Um, when I had my first child, Ada, I was in such denial or I was so resistant to my identity changing that I signed up for the Yukon Quest Thousand Mile Sled Dog Race when Ada was six months old sitting in my lap. Was that a good decision or was it just... It, I ended up not doing it. <laughs> Thank goodness. I trained for it. And then, you know, a month before the race start, my one of my best friends who has won the quest twice, he was like, let's go on a long training run and Andy and Ada can drive around 150 miles. You know, like we'll start here. They drive to the end and meet us there. And then you get a sense of what it's like to do just one leg of the quest. And see if you can really do it. Because I had been training, you know, doing 50-mile runs from home with the dogs and coming home and then making dinner and playing with my kid. And, um, uh, you know, I knew that the, I, the, the highway was in terrible shape that they'd be driving. And it would just be Andy alone with Ada and, you know, driving in a place where you only could use a satellite phone and no cell service. And just the anxiety of that thought, you know, was enough to make me not want to do it. But then... Then I was like, this is so unfair to the dogs for my brain to not be 100% right here with them and for my heart to not be 100% in this with them because that's what they deserve. You know, they're giving they're giving you so much um, and you <laughs> you have to give it back. And I knew as soon as I pulled up and started hooking up that dog team for that training run, I knew I was like you know, I don't want to do this and that's okay. Like what I do want to do is maybe run my dogs 40 miles in the sunshine on a beautiful March day and come home and hang out with my family or like take Ada on a little dog sled ride. But I, my identity was so tied up with being a long distance dog musher that I thought, if I didn't sign up for that race and, you know, do <laughs> the thing that I had carved out for myself and that I had become known for, that I was just going to disappear. And I definitely went through like an era of postpartum depression in addition to that. And so it was, I mean, there are so many things, you know, like the beginning of having a child is just so nuts and like your hormones are crazy and breastfeeding is really hard and postpartum hormones are just whack. And I mean, yeah. going through all of yeah. that while also being like, I need to maintain, like I need to be doing this crazy thing because I worked so hard for it. You know, like we built a kennel from scratch and then did years and years of raising puppies and running qualifying races and then signing up and building sponsorships with companies. And, you know, I, I, and I wrote a memoir, <laughs> um, that like detailed that whole entire thing. And it's like, this is who you are. But when I told my mentor, Jeff King, that we were going to maybe throw in the towel and I was really sad, you know, I was like, kind of felt like I had, I was, I felt defeated. And he was like, Kristen, you are going to be He's like, you're going to have like 10 more identities in this life. Mm. This was just one chapter of your life. This doesn't have to be the the all defining thing, you, you know? So we were, once we made the decision, like, okay, what's important to us? Be closer to family. 
still have access to mountains and wilderness, you know, and of course I had to convince my, my supervisors at the park service that I could still do my job, you know, like from a different place. And so that's kind of how we all settled on Missoula, Montana. And when we first got here, I mean, granted the drive, eight days of 10 to 12 hours of driving a day with an eight-week-old baby and a two-year-old. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Was, <laughs> um, and not to, not to mention Whitman had broken my tailbone when he was born. And so I had to ride like in a car for all of that on one of those like inflatable donuts. <laughs> you guys are outrageous. It was so <laughs> brutal. I was like, well, I guess we've like trained for this kind of, cause we do ridiculous things and we thrive in chaos. And so we were having, you know, at, at first we were like, holy shit, can't believe our only home is this camper and we're driving across the freaking planet with these babies like what are we doing but once we got here we were like wow you can just walk into a store and get stuff and it doesn't cost five dollars for a single avocado you know like i took pictures of the grocery prices and like sent them to my friends (laughs) oh i believe it because you know for people to understand you guys your cabin in alaska you didn't have running water or anything correct no, we did not have running water for 10 years. Um, and we, we did not have electricity at the beginning either. And we put that in ourselves. We didn't have road access for the first three years that we lived there. We had to walk in. We had this big, long trail. And we'd put our muck boots at the end of the trail and take them on and off <laughs> when we come and go from wow. work. It was a very hard but very meaningful life. So, yeah, getting to town, I mean, we rented this this house and turned on the shower head for the first time and almost cried. This is, you can just turn <laughs> hot water on. It was really something. And at first, city life was pretty enchanting for us. You know, we could just walk down to a deli at the end of the street. I could walk Ada to her preschool. Um, I could walk to my office on campus. And... <laughs> We, you know, we were here for months and only filled the car up twice. And in Alaska, we were filling up the car every other day because we had to drive four hours around trip to the grocery store. It was really, we were like, this is, oh, we made such a good decision. This is it. And then, you know, the cars still driving by our house at two in the morning, like thumping out the base, waking up our kids and looking out the window and seeing all the neighbors' houses and you know, we just started to feel that old familiar yearning for being in the middle of nowhere. But we knew we're like, this is just an old habit, you know, like this is we, we kept trying to press it down, you know, and be like, we're doing this for the kids. We're we're in the city for the kids. They're going to have a great opportunity to be around community and school and all this stuff. And then the quarantine happened and we were like completely alone in the house again, just like we were in Alaska. And making all of our meals again, just like we did in Alaska, eating out of cans, you know, like all of that. And we were like, okay, I guess the thing we really needed was not to be in a city. Like we can still be out in the country somewhere, but the thing we really needed was our family. And so I had this wild hair, like, I wonder what it would be like to start a small farm. Like this is the apocalypse right now. What if the world ends like, what if the world is ending? What if it's like from, like The Road by Cormac McCarthy, you know, where like everyone's out scratching out survival. And it's like, if that was going to be the case, what's one thing we could do that would 
that would ensure that we would be okay and we'd live through it and that our family would be okay and would live through it and that our neighbors would be okay and live through it. Well, we could grow food. (laughs) That was, this was like my line of thought. (laughs) And so then I like signed us up for the Cornell small farms program And we're, you know, we're in the middle of six courses right now. And it's been an incredible education because so much of it, because farm work is so hard, just like starting a kennel. It's hours and hours of chores every day, dealing with animals every day, dealing with the highs and lows of animals and the highs and lows of climate ruining things or being perfect and everything's great. And we've been through all that. I've mushed hundreds of miles on the Iditarod Trail on bare dirt. Wow. (laughs) You know, like we've encountered all this crazy, unexpected stuff. And so we know that we're made for it. Like we know we have the right constitution for it. But a lot of the classes are like really soul searching stuff. Like I was telling you, like, imagine you're going to a funeral and you get there and you realize the funeral is for you. Like, what do you want to be remembered for? What kind of person do you want to be? This is in the farm class. Right. Making you change the way you think about life. Yeah, we're like, this is like therapy for us right now because we've been so lost. And now this is forcing us to literally write down with a pen on a piece of paper, like, what do you want in your life? And it's been an enormous opportunity to make a huge change and plan it out and realize what's important. That's been a huge gift. I know it's this terrible time of suffering and people are dying all over the world. And so it's really hard to see anything positive about this. But the one thing that we have taken away is what could we do to help people? What could we do to change the way things are? And how would that make us feel fulfilled? That's been a huge gift. Let me let me ask you this after saying all that. Why, why do you think staying in Alaska would have compromised who you were? So where we lived, there were two places to work. You could either work for the Park Service or you could work for the coal mine. And if you wanted to grow in any other direction, there wasn't really the opportunity for that. Secondly, we had elected a governor who completely slashed all the funding for education, like right as we were thinking of leaving. And so all of the preschool and Head Start programs got gutted in Alaska. And then the university system was on the brink of closing down completely like there are like you know several satellite campuses that had to close and like just education and opportunity seemed to be not possible there for our children and it made us really sad and kind of feel helpless (laughs) and we're like why are we you know why would we choose to stay here and like make our kids endure this incredible lack of opportunity and then third where we lived you know the winters were really long, like seven months, most of the time. And, you know, I was going to my doctor's appointments on a snow machine, like loading up my two-year-old and her little tutu and her snowsuit on a snow machine and powering through 70 mile an hour wind gusts to get to the car. And like all, you know, people loved it on Instagram. It looks cool, unique and tough. And wow, you're raising those kids right. What a cool story they'll be able to tell someday. But at the same time, it was just making us haggard and bitter and wishing that we could be, you know, wishing that we could have an easier life. You know, traveling to and from Alaska, like we couldn't find, you couldn't find an airline ticket less than like $1,000 a person if we wanted to leave. And so whenever we did leave, it was only to go see our family. 
Like we'd never, mm, you yep. could never go anywhere else. You couldn't see any other part of the world unless it was in Alaska, which we had a lot of amazing adventures there. But, you know, like all of those things, we, when we were sitting down and thinking about what we really need at this point in our life or this era of our life, essentially, you know, early parenthood, it was not any of those things. <laughs> and so, yeah, if we had stayed in Alaska, we'd, you know, we we're in a one room cabin with a cold floor and we'd be stuck in there right now with no, with just no help and no connection. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um and that I thought, you know, if we were in Alaska, it would be really different. Like we had this very small cluster of friends who would literally do anything for you at the drop of a hat. And that's a really hard thing to cultivate. You know, that takes a long time. And we don't, you know, necessarily have exactly that same kind of community here. You just can't. Alaska is so nuts that the things that you and your neighbors go through together, like digging excavators out of a 10 foot deep hole in the tundra or like chasing after someone's lost dog team for six hours stuff like that you just just can't really replicate that anywhere else (laughs) yeah Um, maybe the military or something that's about yeah (laughs) (laughs) that is wild so so are you you know you mentioned instagram and you know like that is i'll i'll be totally honest that's something i'm plagued with is being interesting to other people that's something almost like a goal you know, and a lot of me I'm finding is that I don't want to do those things anymore. Just it was that all a hesitation to you, you know, being a park ranger in Denali and racing dog sleds. And, and I mean, it's just so cool to so many people. Was there any sort of saying I need to let go of that image? It was it was definitely hard at first. I, I kept you know, and even now I still have our friends who are renting our house and watching our dogs for us. You know, they'll send us beautiful photos of the dogs and we'll post those on our Instagram page to let all of our fans like, you know, have the update. And, you know, they they became our fans because they love the dogs, you know, and now all of a sudden we're our photos are, um, you know, a three year old running around in a <laughs> building a snowman in the backyard, you know, so yeah. For a while there, I started to notice that every time I did a post that was completely raw and honest about who I was and what we were going through, I would get tons of comments from people that were so supportive and I would lose dozens of followers. Like I posted this one photo that has become kind of iconic for my (laughs) Instagram account, but it's all of my stretch marks. It's like my stomach with all of my stretch marks from bearing two children and my Iditarod belt buckle. And I, and it said moms do. (laughs) And it was really (laughs) funny because there are so many people that were like, yes, like this, this is it. And then so many people that were probably completely turned off by that, you know, and, and like ditched us. And I was like, you know what? That's okay. It's kind of like weeding out the riffraff. I don't really want people who don't want to know exactly who we are to follow us anyway. Like, I, what, like, why is that a loss to me? That shouldn't be a loss. And as Glennon Doyle, this wonderful memoirist, said, just be yourself and people will either keep coming around or they won't. Either way, lovely. You know, I mean, absolutely. I thought that was so liberating to read something like that. Cause it's like, yeah, that's exactly the point. You know, not everyone is going to like you and you're not going to like everyone and you don't have to be likable by everyone. And that's okay. Like that's what makes us all different. 
And that's why you have the group of best friends that you have. You know, it's probably a small, close-knit group of people who know (laughs) all the good things about you and all the bad things about you and love you anyway. That's what you want. You don't want a zillion best friends who only know this one shiny version of you. So that's when I was like, all right, you know, I don't really care if we're boring anymore to people like they can go follow all my other friends who are still dog mushers. (laughs) It's fine. Like I'm not, I'm just not a dog musher anymore. So like, even like when you first sent me the questions for this podcast, I was like, oh, like I just kind of felt myself sink. It's like, okay, I can obviously talk so you know, knowledgeably about this subject. It was a huge part of my life, but it's not me anymore. So that's why I was really excited yeah. that you're cool with talking about drastic changes instead, because that's who I am right now. That's the role that we're on right now. And, and you know, I want to be honest, I'm glad you mentioned that because I'm, I'm going to obviously refer folks to, if they want to hear your backstory, to go listen to the Adventure Sports podcast episode, as well as obviously check out your book. But I, I honestly didn't know all that change was happening. I knew you were in Montana, but that was about it. And so when you mentioned all these things about change and all these things about, you know, a whole new identity, that was immediately, that's what I want to talk about. Because <laughs> yeah. so many people are experiencing that right now. And this, I, this virus situation, this quarantine is either enhancing that to the point that they're reaching a breaking point to make a decision or they're just beginning to have those flickers of ideas as they finally maybe in the first time in years have time to think about it and think about who they really want to be moving forward and so this is definitely a uh, conduit of change and to talk to someone who's in the middle of it who does have you know on paper an incredibly interesting life who is in a way walking away from that it's very interesting and also a very powerful story. And I do want to know, you know, what what are you what are you most nervous about and most excited about with this next chapter? <laughs> well, I'm most nervous about not being able to cuz whenever Andy and I come up with an idea that we're like, "Okay, this is the one." And we go for it all the way. We make happen that's like our what's family does Mm -hmm. and so (laughs) we've come up with the plan we're doing all the education we've drawn out all the farm plots and learning how to assess property and learning how to test soil and and like ready to go but you're not allowed to go anywhere and so we're like well Mm -hmm. how long are we going to be stuck in this in-between limbo being stuck in the limbo is the worst, especially when you finally come up with this great idea and you want to make it happen because we are definitely doers. And it's it's a little bit of a beautiful thing. Like Andy is a mountain runner. He's done Mount Marathon and Crow Pass Crossing and all these crazy Alaskan iconic mountain runs. And so he was running up Mount Sentinel, which is basically in our backyard here in Missoula. And a kestrel came and like kind of dove down right in front of him and then came to a halt right in midair and hovered over whatever it was about to eat. (laughs) And Andy was like, did you know that kestrels are the only, you know, bird of prey that can dive bomb and then hover like that? They can just stop. He's like, I think it was a good message for us. We just need to hover and then something really Mm great is going to happen. I just love these messages from the natural world that all of us are slowing down enough now to pay attention to, especially those of us fortunate enough to be able to go outside during all of this. But yeah, I think, you know, not being able to just get started on the dream right away 
is makes me just frustrated. Um, the thing that makes me really nervous is the heat. I mean, I grew up in Texas, but I'm, I clearly thrive in the cold. Um, and so, you know, we're like, okay, from one temperature extreme to the other. So maybe we can find some, some good things in that, you know, like with the dogs, it was like, they loved minus 20 or colder. If it was warmer than minus 20, they always got too hot, especially my lead dog solo was just, dude, this is like hundred degrees for me, too hot for me. And so you'd find these positive things about extreme cold. Oh, the trail sets up really well when it's cold. The rivers freeze hard enough when it's cold. You know, the dogs are happier and they run faster when it's cold. The skies are clear and the northern lights are brilliant when it's cold. But like, so we're like, okay, we just need to find positive things about heat. Vegetables grow better when it's warm. And, you know, like uh, we can, you know, enjoy water more when it's warm and go swimming and trying to just be positive. And then uh, the thing I'm most excited about is I miss having a daily relationship with my sisters and brothers and my parents. My sisters can just walk to each other's house every day and their kids can go, you know, ride their bikes down the street together. And they have this daily relationship where you don't, you know, like when I pick up the phone and call my family, it's like, what are the big things happening? Like, what's the bullet list? Because you don't, we don't get to talk to each other all the time. This, 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 and this happened. Now you go. As opposed to like an inside joke or like have a glass of wine together or uh, an N.A. beer, which, by the way, <laughs> I like totally survived on those athletic brewing beers for my whole pregnancy. And they were awesome. So thanks. Oh, yeah. Um, no worries. And they shipped to Glasgow, which was really surprising. Heck um, yeah. Anywhere in the country <laughs> other than, I think, Mississippi and Georgia now. But that's okay. <laughs> um, yeah, that was pretty awesome. So, yeah, those are the things. Those are the the, the exciting and nerve nerve-wracking things. Wow. There's so much here. There's so much to talk about. And I imagine, you know, I, I love what you said earlier about going through all those identities. I mean, that's just so true. I feel like I'm in the middle of that too. And, and that it's going to be okay. And that those changes are going to happen. And, and there's going to be multiple. It's not going to be, you were this, now you're this. It's just like, you were this, now you're this, and then you're going to be this, then you're going to be that, then you're going to be that over there. And all those things come with their own beauty and, and, and lessons to learn. You're learning so much now, diving headfirst into this new project and this new way of life. And kind of like with this whole thing, it, at some point, if it's not what you want, you you can drastically change it in a, not that long of a time, um, yeah. which is kind of liberating as well. Yeah. we. Um, so I'm sure a lot of your other um, interviewees are the same way, but we are very into being super uncomfortable, powering through it that, you know, that's winning, being willing to just will yourself through difficulty. Yes. That has always been like kind of our, like that's just kind of how we're set up mentally. And we realized, wait, we don't have to do that. <laughs> It was, it, it seems like it could be really stupid, such an, a simple realization, but we were like, we can just stop and go in a different direction. Like we don't have to commit to this if it doesn't feel right anymore. Mm. And, um, it was pretty revelatory, very simple, but like it took us a very long time to realize that, you know, it's just that whole, like what you're saying, like 
this is your identity. This is who you are. Who we are is really tough people who do the hardest things in the world, literally. And then we were like, wait a minute, we don't have to do that anymore. And it was just really liberating. And we discovered that, yes, we still want to work really hard all day long outside alongside animals and, you know, doing a really good thing for the earth and for our community. But it doesn't have to be, you know, in the wrong place or, you know, it doesn't have to be thousands of miles away from my family. So that has been really cool to just realize that you can change it. There's, I've always heard, you know, coming back home is not the same as never leaving. How do you feel about returning back to somewhere that you knew, but you're going to know in a different way now? It's, um, I mean, I could not get out of Texas fast enough. I left six oh, yeah. days after I graduated from high school and drove to Montana by myself to Glacier National Park. And now I am so surprised at myself. I'm looking at these properties in Texas with big live oak trees and the Brazos River running around the corner. And every time I've gone home to visit my parents, it's been quiet, <laughs> big herons flying over the lake, just so warm and peaceful and surrounded by my siblings who I love. And it's like, wait a minute, I actually... Like, I started to notice that I didn't want to leave. The last time we visited was for, like, six days or something. And the night before, I was like, Should, can we push our flight back? Like, I just, I don't want to leave. I mean, it was it shocked the hell out of me. <laughs> so, yeah. I think it's um, it's so weird to have put down roots in just the opposite side of the world for so long. And then to find my way back, <laughs> just the most surprising migration to me. I, I can't believe I'm like homing back in on Texas after all these years. Man, that's exciting. Totally get it. So if you don't mind, I'd love to move into the rapid fire round. Okay. Cool. Well, question one is what are you most curious about right now outside of, I, I guess, outside of farming and all that? What's something kind of off to the side that you're curious about? Well, I am currently learning a new instrument, the mandolin. Okay. And so far I have, I just had a lightning bolt moment yesterday and all of a sudden could kind of solo. <laughs> so, wow. Uh, you're so you're that, getting all them Texas skills in place. Totally. Yes. To <laughs> I already played the banjo to be fair, but. Um, oh, I didn't know that. Wow. Yeah. But yeah, so that's something cr being creative in a different way you know, using a different part of my brain and my hands that, that has been calling to me. So it's fun to have the time to do it now. That's exciting. I, I would love to learn. I'm terrible at music, but I love bluegrass and grew up in the South. So can't help but love it. But, uh, <laughs> yes. so what is your proudest achievement outside of your kids and outside of dog sledding? Um, writing my book. Hmm. I think that was, it was a years, many years long process. I had always wanted to write a book. I got a tattoo of a quill pen on my forearm in 2008 when I was a 20 something as a, like, you're going to do this someday. So following through and really sticking to it and, and getting that whole process <laughs> from start to finish to actually happen and seeing it out in the world and on the bookshelf and getting letters from fans who there was a excuse me there was a couple that literally just quit their jobs they were 
one was like a physical therapist and the other one ran a store and they quit their jobs and moved to Alaska to be dog mushers because of that book. Holy cow. I know. Wow. Yeah. We get letters from them every once in a while. That's pretty wild right there. I was going to say, you know, it's, you know, your book's definitely out there. I've got it on my desk right now, but it has not made me want to, to, to move to Alaska. So it makes me want to go more often. That's for sure. I've only been once and I'd love to go back and see more, but that is that is powerful stuff. That's pretty cool. It's so humbling. That was more hum- like I the book was in the New York Times summer reading list last year, which was like made me cry at work. I could not believe it. That, but getting the letters from these people that are so intimate and profound are, that there's nothing that makes me more humbled or proud than that. Like the fact that that my story touched people's lives and that they made these crazy changes in their lives because of it. That is just totally wows me. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty remarkable. That's awesome. So, so you know, speaking of that proudest thing, what is your biggest goal that you haven't yet achieved? Oh, man. I know, really, really throwing these out there, huh? <laughs> Left and right. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, the thing that um, settles my mind at night is just imagining (laughs) a beautiful farmhouse with a big porch and gorgeous leafy vegetables and flowers all around and my kids, you know, having a relationship with the earth and knowing how to do something that's good for the whole community, not just good for themselves by growing food and knowing how to care for animals and be being kind to each other like that. I want to do that. And so that's kind of my Zen moment. Every time I close my eyes, I'm I'm like, that's what I want. That's what we're, everything we do is going toward that. Definitely. And that's a, that's a big goal and that'll take work. And that's definitely something you and Andy aren't, aren't afraid of is working hard. So that'll be exciting to, to accomplish and continue. It says like, you know, don't expect to be like super productive for the first five years. Um, like in terms of being able to actually have a market and bring stuff to it and, you know, be making a, you know, some kind of a living. And we're like, that's how long it took for the sled dog kennel. You know, like we found the property, yeah. we brought the electricity in, we bought puppies, we bred them, we ran our qualifying races and then bam, we were running a thousand mile race. But it was a long vision, like a long goal. And we like those. So this is the next one. Wow, that's 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 what's gonna be what it takes. I mean, so, <laughs> yeah. so speaking of that, what does it mean to you to live without compromise? Um, I think when you look all around you and the world that you see is a perfect reflection of who you are, that to me is is living without compromise. Like if you can sit still for a minute and just sink down into yourself and and know like in your body and soul what is right to you and to, for me you know i do that and it's the sound of the wind through the grass and birds singing and big trees and and little baby animals being ridiculous and hilarious and my kids having a relationship with those animals and those are the things that just like bring me peace on the inside. And I want to be able to open my eyes and look at my world and see that. And that to me is living without compromise. So in closing, how can folks follow you and where can they find you? 
well, my Instagram handle is still Hey Moose Kennel. We're on Facebook too. Hey Moose. Moose is my was my first sled dog, a very giant dog. His story is also in my book, uh, which is oh, yeah. called Great Story. <laughs> this Much Country. It is in any bookstore. Um, or, you know, we're, we're hoping that you'll support indie bookstores and order through them. A lot of them are having like curbside delivery or curbside pickup. Some actually one of our little bookstores here in Missoula is doing home delivery. If you live within walking distance. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, right. yeah, so you can find it pretty much anywhere. And it just came out in paperback on March 10th. Also on audiobook. I, I read it myself. So if you're more of an audiobook fan, you can find it on Audible and iTunes. Well, cool. Well, thank you, Kristen, so much. And uh, tell your family hello. And thank you for, for giving us a little time. And uh, yeah. All right. Thanks a lot, Mason. <laughs> yeah, it was great talking to you a year later. We'll talk again in a, a year or so. <laughs> I know, right. for real. Okay, cool. Thank right. you. Right. Bye. First of all, thank you so much for listening. It means the world to us that you choose to listen to this show. If you'd like to help us further, you can leave a review on iTunes, share us with your friends, your family. It goes a long way to grow in the show. You can also support us financially through patreon.com slash adventure sports podcast. Link is in the show notes. And also, if you have an idea of who could be a good guest for the show, we're always looking for people to tell their story uh, about the outdoors or adventure. So if you know someone, please reach out. Email us at info at adventuresportspodcast.com. And until then, get out there and have some fun. <laughs>